Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Why was Jesus crucified? Tony called me up on Friday morning, and that's the first thing he asked me. Not, good morning, Danelle, or let's go over the plan of worship. It was that. So my guard went up. After all, it was April Fool's Day. Shouldn't he know what the answer to that question? However, I'll bet that each of us has a different answer or a variation of the narrative. Scripture accounts, they land on the accusation that Jesus committed sedition by claiming he was king of the Jews. For the Sanhedrin, that accusation made the most sense to lob at Jesus, since they couldn't agree on anything else. So, was Jesus the king of the Jews? As you listen to today's scripture, reflect on Jesus' response to that question. Did he ever actually say that? Could it have been a spoken, could he have spoken this privately, maybe? And if so, who would betray his confidence? What other scenarios might explain it? Here's what scripture relates to us about Jesus' Friday. From Mark 15, 1 to 2, and 22 to 26. Jesus before Pilate. Very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, replied Jesus. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. So, here's the question. Why did Jesus die? The most popular answer for Christians is that the reason Jesus died is because he died for our sins. I would imagine that if we were playing Family Feud and an individual hit their buzzer, that would have come across as the number one answer. Jesus died because of our sins, for our sins. So, that should be the end of the sermon. It's quite simple. But is it? And especially over the last few weeks, we have been taking every day that leads up to Easter, and we've been choosing a Sunday that we are going to specifically look at that one day. And today, it is Friday. That is our main focus. And if you read the Gospel of Mark in chapter 15, you will see all the different events that occurred on Friday leading up to Jesus' death. But the question still remains, why did Jesus die? Now again, the most popular reason is he died for our sins. 
And I think it actually, that answer makes us actually feel good about that. That that was Jesus's purpose. That's why he, Jesus was on this earth. That was his destiny. That was the plan, that Jesus would die for our sins. And if we're honest with it, as sad as it was that Jesus died, as Christians, almost 2,000 years later, we celebrate that death. Even think about what we call it. We call it Good Friday. There's even a hymn that, and there's many hymns, but the one I chose, I selected because it reminded me of my father. I remember as a kid standing next to my dad in church. My dad had the same quality of voice that I do when it comes to singing. But it did not hinder him from singing out loud. Perhaps you will recognize the words of this first verse. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Hear that? That's what we sing. The reason Jesus died was because he died for our sins. But here's the challenge. And I would encourage each and every one of you that are with us or watching online, I would encourage you to go home, take your Bible, and read chapter 15 of the Gospel of Mark. And as you read that story, look for where it says that Jesus died for our sins. It's not in the Gospel of Mark chapter 15. Now, it may be in other places in the Bible, but for the individuals who were recipients of the Gospel of Mark, that original audience that the writer wrote for, when they came to reading about the passion, the story of Jesus' death, they would not have seen in that, word, in that chapter that Jesus died for their sins. Instead, the reason, according to the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus dies is because he either publicly or privately confessed that he was the king of the Jews. Now, there's one theory out there among scholars. It has strengths, and the argument also has weaknesses to it. But there's one argument out there that says that Jesus taught his followers that in private, that he was the king of the Jews. What that meant was that when the kingdom of God would come, he would be the king. And that the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God was actually taking place right now. It was occurring. That's what they believed. Well, if he didn't teach it publicly, and he, instead he taught it privately, 
How in the world did Herod and the Romans find out about it? Well, some individuals believe that it was Judas. When he betrayed Jesus, that's part of the betraying, that he went to them and said, hey, listen up, this guy Jesus, right? He's actually teaching us that he's going to be the king of the Jews someday, and that this kingdom of God would be manifested, and that he would be the king, and the 12 of us would each have our own thrones. Now, again, I'm not making this up. It's actually in the Bible, where Jesus says that his disciples would each have their own throne. That was going to be part of the kingdom of God. But according to Mark, that is the reason why Jesus died. He died because he offended the state authorities. He died for a political violation. Pilate didn't have a lot of time to waste. So when word got out that Jesus was saying that he was the king of the Jews, if this theory is true, that he was the king of the Jews, then Pilate says, hey, we got to get rid of this guy. It's the time of the Passover. Things could get really bad if we allow Jesus, who's now in town instead of up north where he belongs, if we let Jesus kind of exist in the midst of all of this, we're going to have a problem here. And that is why, according to the Gospel of Mark, Jesus died. In my opinion, now I may be wrong, but in my opinion... I think Jesus was guilty of that charge. I think in some way Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews. Not in the sense of a political government. Not in the sense of a government of power. But Jesus believed this is what the kingdom of God should be like where people show love and compassion and care for each other. That was the kingdom of God that Jesus would be the king of. And that's what ended up getting him killed. Unfortunately, you like me have heard this story many, many a time. And it probably doesn't bother you that Jesus was killed. No. Jesus was executed. If you claim to be a Christian, you are following a man who, it's possible, was guilty of a crime in the Roman Empire, and because of that, he was executed. It's almost as if that's become sanitized. I mean, how many of you would be willing to claim to be a follower of Joseph Wood? Do you even know who Joseph Wood is? I didn't. 
Joseph Wood was the last person executed here in Arizona. In 2014, I thought long and hard before I'm going to share with you what I'm going to share right now. But again, I think we have become so sanitized to this idea of execution and the death penalty. Joseph Wood was given lethal injection. It took him two hours to die. An individual who witnessed his execution said he gasped and snorted for an hour and 57 minutes after the drugs were injected, and the entire procedure took almost two hours. The execution should have taken just 10 minutes. Jesus hung on a cross. That form of execution was meant to last more than just two hours. And this is the person we claim to follow. What amazes me is that we follow a person who was executed, and yet we live in a country where the death penalty continues to exist. Our follower, I mean, the one we follow, was executed. The one that we celebrate, the one that we come together and talk about and share with each other, was executed. And that doesn't offend us enough to rise up and say, that was enough. And no one should be executed. Um, in many ways, I'm very pessimistic about this when it comes to our nation. And in some ways, I'm also optimistic. But before I get to the optimism, I want to talk to you a little bit about the pessimism that I have. A survey was done by Pew Research. 60% of Americans approve of the death penalty. Now that number is dropping but still 60% of Americans approve of the death penalty. When they were asked if the death penalty should occur if an individual has committed murder, 64% of Americans believe that it was morally justifiable. Seventy-eight percent. Seventy-eight percent of Americans believe that it is likely that someone that was, who is innocent will be executed. Seventy-eight percent. And yet, 
64% of the people still say, well, we ought to have the death penalty. Now, this is where it's going to get a little tough to hear. In that survey, Christians were more likely to support the death penalty than an atheist or an agnostic. Why? Why? I mean, our, the man that we follow, the one that we claim allegiance to, was executed. Guilty or not guilty, he was executed. How can we stand by as his followers and allow that to continue to happen? Here's another one. The majority of states that have the death penalty and enforce it tend to be most heavily Christian. Some people call down south. Not only do they call it the Bible Belt, but they also call it the Death Belt. That doesn't make sense to me, folks. A man that we follow who valued all life a man that we follow who we said emphasized the marginalized, the people who were treated as less than, that he welcomed them, that we would believe that this same man would be okay with people being executed. But unfortunately... Not only are we approving the death of individuals, but we are approving the death of nature itself. You know, there's a lot about the Catholic Church that I don't necessarily agree with. However, the Pope will say some things that really make me pause and listen. Because the Pope pointed out that not only are we executing our fellow human beings, we are also executing all forms of life in nature. Listen to what he says. Pope Francis in a writing and called On Care for Our Common Home, he writes the following. Each year sees the disappearance of thousands of plant and animal species, which we will never know, which our children and our grandchildren will never see because they have been lost forever. the great majority become extinct for reasons related to human activity. 
So not only are we executing each other, but we're executing our world. All right, enough of being the downer. What about some good news? We're seeing a shift take place in our country. Recently, just four years ago, the Pope made a startling proclamation. Now, before he had discouraged the, the death penalty, but four years ago, he made a really strong statement, and this is what it says. In August 2018, Pope Francis, backed by bishops around the world, declared the death penalty unacceptable in all cases, calling executions an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. He made it the official doctrine of the Catholic Church, changing the catechism to fully oppose the death penalty without exception. And then he made an invitation to you and I. He invited Christians around the world to prioritize ending the death penalty. Now, some of you might right now go, Tony, come on, why are you talking about this? I mean, church, state, politics, in the pulpit, come on. This is life, folks. We come in here to worship a God who we say is the source of life. I had to ask myself this week, am I serious about that? How much do I really value human life? Recently, in fact, this last week, our governor also gave us some optimism. Now, he gave it in the form that I don't necessarily agree with. Yet at the same time, he said something. He, he didn't say it. He actually wrote something down that if we take him at face value, would take the death penalty off the table here in, in, uh, in Arizona. Listen to what it says. In a bill signing letter, Governor Ducey sent to Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, our governor said the following. In Arizona, we know there is immeasurable value in every life. Do you hear that? There is immeasurable value in every life, including preborn life. But here's where it gets powerful also. I believe it is each state's responsibility to protect them. Them is more than just preborn life. It is what he is saying is every life. In Arizona, we will continue to protect life to the greatest extent possible. Now, if the governor is to be taken for his word, 
This would do away with the death penalty in Arizona. Now, you decide if you agree or disagree or if you think he's telling the truth or not. But the reason I mention this is there is a movement within our country to slowly move away from executions. Now, again, here at Church of the Beatitudes, we don't tell you what to believe. My job as your pastor is to expose you to ideas and not impose them upon you. And so when I tell you my stance on an issue, it doesn't mean that you have to believe it the way I do. No. But the one thing that I cannot walk away from, and this is just for me, is that there is a story in the Gospels where Jesus becomes a one-man jury for the death penalty. Jesus becomes a one-man jury for the death penalty. There is a story where a woman is caught in adultery. And in order to set Jesus up, they bring him, I mean her, to him. And they said, we've caught this woman in adultery, and we have the prerequisite two witnesses. So what say you, Jesus? The law says she is to be stoned. What say you, Jesus? Remember? And Jesus said to them, the one who is without sin, let him be the first one to pick up the rock and throw it at her. Now, folks, this week, on the internet, I looked at the records of five individuals, the last five individuals that were executed here in Arizona. What they did to their victims was hideous. And everything within me says, yeah, they deserve to die. <laughs> but I follow Jesus. And he was executed. And he didn't deserve to die. And I take seriously the words of Jesus 
when he said, I came to give them life and that they may have life abundantly. You decide. You weigh the argument. But on this day, when we remember the Friday before Jesus was resurrected on Sunday, I think it's really appropriate that we pause and take a look at the country we live in and then decide for ourselves where we stand on this issue. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.